Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, I did a wedding yesterday. I, did, I love coming back to church on a Sunday, but I wasn't able to do that. Like after a break, uh, it kind of kicks me into gear when I'm here with you. It's like, this is the thing that really gets me started for the year. Well, I started back at work on Monday last week and uh, straight into it. And yesterday I had a wedding and I realised that weddings used to be simple. Um, It's somewhere in the last few months, the government's changed their paperwork. It's not that dissimilar, but anything that changes, it just took me twice as long to navigate through it and make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. You can't really get things wrong with weddings. Right, if you put someone's wrong name or date of birth on the certificate, it's a little bit of a problem. So I endeavour not to do that. I work really hard to be careful about that. And so it took me a little bit longer than usual. But it wasn't just the change of process and paperwork that made it complex. It's the fact that with this particular couple, we've been trying for two years to marry them. Two years ago, they reached out and said, we're ready to get married. Um, our family, a family that I've known through Gateway for many, many years, and uh, the daughter of this family who I married yesterday, lived in Victoria. And so she said, we're planning on coming up to uh, Queensland, get married up there. All our families are up there. And they reached out to me, I think it was February, March 2020. Well, that was good timing, wasn't it, to organise a wedding? Because between stints in quarantine, months apart between states not being able to see each other, we've had about four attempts. And yesterday, we finally got to stand at the altar and uh, commit this couple and their married life together, which was a great celebration. But weddings used to be a whole lot simpler than that. I've been involved in some pretty interesting COVID weddings. Go and have a chat to both the Hardys, young Hardys that are here, and they'll tell you about some of their wonderful experiences about how we made weddings work under all kinds of duress and changing circumstances during the COVID period. Weddings used to be simple. COVID just made them complex. You know, going to church used to be simple. Wake up. I'd I'd like to say wake up and get ready, but for many, wake up, decide if this is the Sunday that we're going to go. Get dressed and go. And we know that if we ever invite someone, there'll be a seat there for them. But then all of a sudden, the world got challenging, didn't it? And we've gone through seasons of separating seats and moving seats apart and counting numbers and making sure we've got the right capacity of people and having people book tickets for church. I've never thought we'd ever have to get people to book tickets for church. I mean, it's usually not a problem for us on a Sunday, but come Christmas time, we nearly had 400 people come to our carols event. And every other day, we counted seats and tried to make more provisions so we could fit more people. That was a good problem to have, but it's a problem that became a whole lot more complex because of the world in which we live. I mean, starting the school year used to be simple. Not easy, but just we just knew what we had to do. But look, I'm not going to go there because it's going to be a trigger point for a whole bunch of people, especially the teachers in the room. But starting the school year used to be simple. Buying toilet paper and frozen chips at the grocery store used to be simple. Now you need to put on your boxing gloves and get ready for a fight, don't you? No, it just, there's a whole lot in our world that's become really complicated that used to be simple. In your work world, for those of you that uh, are impact, in one of the impacted industries, like in my work world, COVID for the last two years has impacted every single week. Navigating restrictions, understanding restrictions, communicating to people about the changes, caring for people in the midst of a pandemic, 
writing sermons that then get dumped in the trash basket because Sunday just got cancelled. Like there's been a lot of work done that then just got a whole lot more complicated. And then for many of us, January 2022 arrived and after two years of living in a COVID world, we found ourselves in the middle of it. Having to take time out, and I know many families here, we've got a rolling thing going at Gateway Ormo at the moment. Some of us are back today and others will be back next week and I'm not wishing anything beyond that. But it's just a little rolling list of families that are reaching out, letting us know that they're in isolation, that someone's sick and, and most are navigating it pretty well, although some of our people are getting really, really ill. It's just everything is consumed by this idea of this global pandemic. All the talk is of COVID. Turn on the news, the number one story for about five minutes was that Ash Barty won the Australian Open women's singles title. Now you reckon that's good? Unfortunately overtaken by the doubles, but let's just go back to Ash Barty for a few minutes. But every conversation is about the world in which we've lived in the last two years. And you know what? That's natural and it's normal because it is impacting every part of our lives. But I realised in my own life that a pandemic was becoming my number one conversation. And as I thought about it, my own self-care and my own self-preservation was starting to naturally become my number one priority. Two weeks ago, as I'm home with my family doing our stint in isolation, I was digging a trench in my pool area. From dawn to dusk, wearing out shovels, working so hard just to you know, do lots of jobs at home. But I was digging a trench in my pool area and God just prompted a challenge into my spirit. It was a really simple one. And it was this, it's time for a reset. It's time to reset the conversation. And I had this really simple phrase come to mind and it's the thing I want to talk to us about this morning. And it's this, that his name should be the first thing on our lips. And others should be the first thing on our mind. That his name should be the first thing on our lips and others should be the first thing on our mind. Now that sounds revolutionary, doesn't it? It's not that revolutionary. One of the uh, religious leaders of the day in Matthew chapter 22 comes to Jesus and says this to him. It, it, it says that this person was an expert in the law. And came to test Jesus with a question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, we, we make things really complex at times, don't we? But when it comes down to it, faith is actually a fairly simple thing that we're called to. Number one, love God with everything you've got. Number two, love others as you choose to love yourself. I reckon God wants to call us back to the simple things, to love him and to love others, to make his name the first thing on our lips and to make others' needs the first thing on our mind. You see, the person that came to Jesus was a lawyer. He came to trick Jesus. He knew the law well. He'd studied the law, all of its intricacies, and he understood how it all worked together and all the things that people should do. And he wants to trick Jesus by getting him to name one thing. But Jesus says it's really simple, actually. Take everything that God has commanded, and it boils down to two things. You know, all these commands about worship and not idolizing things and, and you know, the way that we should uh, be with each other, it's all about 
putting him first and putting others first. Loving God with everything and loving others with everything. And it's these simple principles that I believe God wants to call us back to right now. And so to the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are a really tricky book to preach from. We do the summer Psalms. It's nice. They're great songs. They're great poems. And then you know, there's something in me that always wants to go, okay, how do we read deeper meaning into this? But the Psalms weren't meant to be like line-by-line line theological reflections. They were about human emotional response and connection with God. The Psalms teach us about how to be fully human in all of the gamuts of life and emotion before a holy and a just and a righteous and a good God. They speak of our human response. But sometimes we just look to try and pull apart every word and work out how it works together. But with like every song and every piece of poetry, the Psalms were written with meter and rhyme and timing and they're brought together in a way that makes sense. You see, we don't just get facts, we get emotion, poetry and rhythm and in the midst of it, an invitation to navigate every season of life and emotion and find hope, solace, meaning and joy in our relationship with God. So in that end, let me read to you our psalm for today. It's Psalm 34. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, you can do that. It'll be on the screen behind me. But just, just hear it as it should have been delivered, not line by line, pulled apart, but as a song, as a prayer to God. It says at the start that this is a psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. Talk about that a bit later. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Oh, glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. For whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I want to do something a little bit different with the psalm this morning. I actually want to use it as a, as a moment for all of us. So we step in to uh, you know, things really kicking off in the next little while. Just lead us through this psalm with some questions of self-reflection and self-examination. I've got three things that I want to speak to this morning. The first is this, and my first question is this. What right now is the thing that dominates your conversation? What right now is the thing that dominates your conversation? 
You see, the things that we allow to become the focus of our speech are things that reflect the attitude of our heart and therefore reflect the priorities of the moment. The things that we allow to become the focus of our speech reflect the priorities of the heart and allow to become the priority of the moment. See, I'm not one here this morning that's here to say that we we shouldn't talk about what's going on in our world. God asks us to be present in the midst of the mess and to wrestle with all that that means in human history and human life. It's not that we pretend that we've escaped from it. That's actually a bad picture of the world, but we shouldn't be consumed by it. And so I want to ask the question, what dominates your conversation right now? Because what the psalmist wants to say to us is this, and it's very simple. Speak of the Lord. Speak of the Lord. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. In other words, praise is not something that we hold on to just for the good times. Praise should be a discipline of the Christian life. That in every moment we should find ways to tell people of the goodness of God. When life is wonderful, tell people of his goodness. When life is tough, Tell people of his goodness. His praise should always be on our lips. You see, God wants to be the number one priority and the number one conversation and the number one focus in your life. So he's calling us back to a place where the first thing we do is speak of the Lord. The psalmist goes on, Oh, glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and praise. You know what? When you speak of God's goodness, it's good for ears that are hurting right now. We actually need to praise God. We actually need to lift up his name. We actually need to speak of him because when the afflicted, those that walk through pain and all kinds of mess and circumstances, when all they have is people join them in the conversation around their pain, they're not always reminded to lift their eyes to the one who transcends it and stands with them in the midst of it. See, praise should never be reserved for only the good times and we need to recognise that the words of our lips help others in their need. Finally, the psalmist says in verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And what he'd want to say is the praise that we speak should never be kept in private. John Goldinger says this, it's unthinkable that expressing gratitude to God should be a private transaction between individuals and God. Thanksgiving is an inherently public act whereby one gives glory to God in the presence of the community for some act and invites the community as a whole to have its faith built up. You see, when you tell stories of God's goodness and God's action in your story, it's not just good for your heart, it's good for the heart of others. And right now, I reckon there's a whole bunch of us that are just stuck in this place where our our spirit is constantly tired, weary, frustrated, annoyed, All of these things and the thing that we need to be for one another right now is not someone else that just keeps adding to that noise, but people that lift our hearts and our spirits to look at something better and something greater. See, praise is not something you tell just because it's good for you. You do it because it's good for each other. And right now we need to come back to a place where the first thing on our lips is him. Speak of the Lord. Eugene Peterson Many of you know him because he wrote the message paraphrase, like a, a modern-day take on the Scriptures. He says this, We often imagine wrongly that the Psalms are private compositions prayed by a shepherd, traveller, or fugitive. But close study shows us that all of them are corporate. All of them were prayed in community. 
It goes against the whole spirit of the Psalms to take these communal laments, these congregational praises, and these corporate intercessions and use them as cosy formulas for private solace. So church, let's put his names first on our lips this year. Let's come back to first principles. Let's speak of him more than we speak of anything else. See, the world right now doesn't need another expert on COVID. The world right now needs a whole group of people that are willing to tell them of the hope that they can find in Jesus. And my great fear is that within the church, our evangelistic edge is being knocked off because we're just starting to do what everybody else does, which is lament in the pandemic when we should praise the one who stands above it. I'm not asking us to be ignorant to the world around us. I'm just asking us to come back to a place where his name is the first thing on our lips. If you're a person of faith here today, I want you to think on these questions. Because most of us can answer a whole bunch of things about life, but suddenly when we we throw it out into a group or when we ask someone what they want to tell us about the Lord and what he's doing in your life, most of us just go silent. I want to give you some challenges. Maybe write these down, take a, a photo of this slide, use it in some private devotional space. If you're not someone that has a good private devotional rhythm, sit over a coffee sometime this week and think, if I can answer these questions, God's going to use my voice to bring hope into the lives of others. What are you thankful to God for right now? I want to suggest that as people of faith, we should always have an answer to that question. What are you thankful to God for right now? How are you experiencing God right now? How are you seeing him work? How are you seeing him move? How's he challenging you? How's he encouraging you? Are you experiencing him as a God of justice, a God of patience, a God of compassion, a God of love, a God of kindness, a God of discipline? What is it right now? How are you experiencing God right now? What can you speak of his work in your life? Because we don't worship a relic. We worship the resurrected Christ who is active and at work by his spirit amongst us. God is always at work. Often the only thing that needs to change is our perspective and our openness to see him. So how are you experiencing God right now? Why is Jesus good news to you? Why is Jesus good news to you? Question four, who in your world needs encouragement right now? And how are you going to speak it over them? And question five, who are you talking to about Jesus? His praise, his name should be the first thing on our lips. Speak of the Lord, the psalmist would want to say. Second thing he wants to say to us is this. And my question that comes is, where are you going right now for hope, help and solace? Where are you going to right now for hope, help and solace? I reckon there's never been a time within the community, within families, within the church where there's a greater temptation for us to just magnetise towards our tribe. But the church was never called to do that. We were called to be a group of diverse people that's unified around one really important thing, and it's this, Jesus is Lord. That's the thing that brings us together. Not, Not whether we're an introvert, an extrovert, not our political leanings, not our social views, not our understanding of... You know, American politics, none of that should matter. Jesus is Lord. That should be the first confession from our lips and it should be the thing that brings us together. But where are you going to right now for hope, help and solace? Are you just being magnetised to everybody like you? Are you going to Facebook? Are you going to a few known places to try and give you hope? 
Because the psalmist would want to say to this, look to the Lord. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, David says, called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. There's a couple of key words in those verses. The psalmist David says this, when I look to the Lord, he delivered me from fear. When I look to the Lord, he delivered me from shame. And when I look to the Lord, he delivered me from my poverty. You see, our fears only grow according to the size of the giants that we allow to be the focus of our life. Our fears only grow according to the size of the giants that we allow to be the focus of our life. And right now, some of us are living out of incredible fear. Fear will only minimise in your life when you start looking to one who is greater than any of the troubles that you face. And as a person created in the image of the one who stands over all things, you're invited to look to him to be your sustenance, to be your hope, to be your help and to be your solace. It says at the start that the, the scripture tells us just in a little subtext to Psalm 34 that David wrote this when he'd gone insane before Abimelech. Really interesting story. You can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 20, I want to say 22, 21, 22, where David's fleeing from Saul. He fears his life. He just had an encounter with Saul's son, Jonathan, where you know, Jonathan's like, oh, if dad was going to take you out, I'd know all about it. And David's like, I oh, know he's trying to take me out. And, and Saul gets super mad, hurls the spear at his own son out of anger because David doesn't turn up to a particular dinner party at that point. David knows that his life's in danger and he flees to a priest named Ahimelech and then he goes on to another person and there's a little bit of confusion in the scripture because the one he goes insane before has a different name in the Samuel telling but a lot of scholars would say it's just that, that there's the formal name and the informal name but, but David gets to this place where they recognise him and he realises that he's in trouble and so to try and defuse it, it says he goes crazy. He pretends to go crazy. You read the story. He starts banging his head against the gate and frothing and dribbling through his beard. I'm going to try that one day when I've just had enough and I can't talk to someone else. He's going to start banging my head against the door and dribbling. That's what David does to deflect their focus. And the king goes, he's gone mad. Just leave him alone. And so David kind of fakes this kind of moment so he can get away with his life. And he writes this psalm, this psalm of praise, out of that moment. David wasn't having a really good time when he wrote Psalm 34. He had someone pursuing him, trying to take his life. There was a great threat. There was a great enemy. But you know what David discovered? There's an even greater God. The giants in our life will only be as big as the one that we put our focus on. You see, some of us need to be reminded right now of God's power, God's strength, and God's majesty. Psalm 2 says this, Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. In other words, the psalmist says, why do all the powerful people try and conspire against the Lord? But you know what it says God's doing as they do that? Listen to verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. You know how I picture that? Any parents of little kids, you know when your little kid gets really mad and wants to kind of beat you up? And it's really funny as you just kind of hold them at a distance and there's legs and arms flailing everywhere and you can't help but laugh because you think, you go for a buddy, but this is never going to work. I just picture God like when, when the most powerful nations and kings 
and political systems and governments and everyone else comes out against him and tries to conspire against the things of God. He just stands there with his arm at a distance and laughs and scoffs at them, the, the psalmist says. I don't want us to read it into anything more than that, that some of us just need to reset how big our God is because we're making other things bigger than God. And he's so above everything that you face and everything that we walk through that he just laughs and scoffs at the plans of man and the powerful to try and take him down. The one who spoke with one word everything into being is the one who calls us to worship him. And God wants to call some of our hearts back to getting a new glimpse of his power and his size and his majesty and his goodness because as we see God in all of his glory, all of a sudden everything else that's swirling around us starts to take its right place. And we're delivered from fear, from shame and from the things in our life that make us poor. Don't hear that as prosperity doctrine because poverty is not just about money. Poverty is a poverty of spirit where all of a sudden we actually lose a sense of who God's created us to be. So speak of the Lord, look to the Lord, and number three, taste of the Lord. Funny thing, isn't it? Taste of the Lord. Come to church for the first time and someone says, what did he talk about? Taste of the Lord. The words of the psalmist, again, remember there's songs, there's lyric in this. My question is this, what do you fill your life with? The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste of the Lord. You know, one of the things that takes our focus off ourselves, off our fear, off our shame, off our poverty, is when we immerse ourselves in the things of God, in his mission and in his calling. We're invited to taste something. In other words, we're not just invited to look at the recipe or to smell in the kitchen or to observe the form. We're actually invited to take a hold of it and immerse ourselves fully in the experience. Imagine if every time we catered something here at Gateway next Friday night and love you to be at launch night if you can make it. I know it's a weird time and a crazy season, but if you can be here, whole family's invited and dinner is on us, okay? So don't worry about that side of it. But imagine if we walk in here with some beautiful roast pork. Now, you're not getting roast pork. It's way too complex. Some beautiful roast pork and you smell it. You smell the salty crackling. You hear it kind of being cut through. And you see the juices. Some of my family hate pork, but I love it. But just the juice running out of it and there's some crispy roast potatoes that are coming out of the oven. You just smell it and you see it and you hear it but you never get to taste it. How ripped off are you? So the psalmist says, taste of the Lord. In other words, fully immerse yourself in the things of God. He doesn't just kind of dangle things out there for you to look at and observe and study and talk about in your life group and think about and listen to podcasts on. He actually says, this life that I offer isn't just something to know about, it's something to experience. And some of us have spent our life knowing a lot about God, but we've never experienced him. We know He's a healer, but we've never experienced His healing. We know He's kind, but we've never experienced His kindness. We can tell others of His grace, but we've never experienced the freedom that comes when the grace of God pours into our life. 
We could write a paper on love, but we've never felt His love. And so God says, immerse yourself in me. Immerse yourself in me. Immerse yourself in all that I am. Taste and see. And guess what will happen when you taste? You'll see that it's better than you thought. That it's better than you imagined. We have a living and a powerful God. He doesn't just want you to be an observer. He wants you to be a participant. To be fully immersed in the things of God. You know, this season stopped us doing many things. I reckon today is an invitation for us to hit a reset and to start doing some things. Church, if we, His people, aren't the ones that speak of Him, who will? If we, His people, aren't the ones that model what it's like to put our faith and our trust in Him over anything else, who will? And if we, as His people, immerse ourselves in Him, suddenly the things that we all wish for will start to happen. People will find hope. People will find reason and meaning and purpose. Let's speak of the Lord. Let's look to the Lord. And let's taste of the Lord. Father God, I just believe that right now you want to call some of us back to the simple things, the things that drew us in originally, initially. Lord, that you want to lift our eyes out of the circumstances of today and just lift them to something greater, to you. But some of us are just completely overwhelmed by this season of life in which we win. It's the only, the only thing we speak about, the only thing we think about, the only thing we Google about, the only thing we write about. God, you want to bring us back to a place where you actually take that prime place. You become the ultimate thing in our life. God, when you do that, everything else just comes back into a better perspective. So God, right now, I just want to pray that just as we take a moment in silence as all of us just sit in a prayerful space, God, that you, by your Spirit, would challenge each of us with our response today. Lord, I want to pray that some narratives would change. Lord, I pray this for myself. This, this message is out of a challenge you brought to me. That the words of my lips would glorify you first. Lord, that I would go to you for my hope. To fulfill the gaps and the lack in me. God, that we would choose to fully immerse ourselves in your mission, in your calling on our life. And what it is you want to do is you bring the message of Jesus and the message of hope to a broken, hurting, messed up, divided world. May your church in this season shine brighter than it ever has before. And God, that starts with every one of us today choosing to return to the simple things we pray. Hey, uh, just while we're all seated, I, if you know this is a message for you this morning, that God's calling you back to some of the simple things in your life and in your faith, I just wonder if I could just pray for you today. And I just want to do that specifically, but, but I'd love you just to acknowledge that, not to me, but just to God. And there's an accountability sometimes in going, yep, God, I've heard it, and I'm going to choose to respond to it. And so just before we worship this morning, I just wonder if, if something I've said today, it just could be one aspect of it, taste, look, or speak, just maybe one aspect of those, you just go, yeah, yeah, I've lost my perspective, I've lost my way, I've lost my passion, I've lost my voice, I've lost my trust.
being overcome with fear of being overcome with shame whatever it is here's a prayer for you this morning I just want to ask just that where you are this morning before we sing that you just stand so I can pray for you specifically it's right now wherever you're seated why don't you just stand if you're comfortable often when I just come before God I put my hands out like this and just go God I come empty handed and I'm willing to receive whatever it is that you want to bring for me this morning is there anyone that wants to pray with me today? You just stand, just put your hands out and let me just pray God's blessing with you. Awesome. Hey God, I just want to pray for these brave people that today just come humbly before you and say, God, this is for me. Lord, I want to pray that you give them new stories to tell, new notes of praise, new prayers and, and new celebrations and God I just want to pray that you'll just loose their lips to speak of you first God I want to pray that you incline their hearts to trust of you above all other things above human wisdom above any, any other source of information God that they go to the creator of all things and just put their trust and their hope and you look to you first and God that they would taste that they would immerse themselves fully God that you wouldn't just be a concept but you would be a lived experience. You would fill them, overflowing to the brim with your Holy Spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.